Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast. Our goal is to help technical professionals accelerate their career progression, increase their job satisfaction, and bring you the advice we wish had been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Corty, at NetworkNerd underscore. We both work in the tech industry with backgrounds in IT operations and sales engineering. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right, Nick. Episode 247. Uh, this is part three with Dr. Sarisha Kuchumanchi. Just a review for parts one and two if you haven't listened to them. Uh, well, we do recommend that you go back and listen to them. Episode 245, part one. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Kuchimanchi's origin story as a physics major. Some of the attention that she spends on uh, supporting women in STEM. Some interesting discussion of communicating up the management chain, how she's dealt with layoffs, and personal finance. Then part two, episode number 246. We talked a little bit about pursuing management skills, understanding what good managers do, and team development. And by we, I mean you, because I could not make this recording, which is killing me as I go back and listen to it. Just really, really cool conversation. What do we have to look forward uh, with part three? In part three, it's a little bit shorter episode, but it's the conclusion of our trilogy here. We're going to find out how Sharisha got interested in podcasting and, and what's her motivation to do it. And then we're going to get some insight into the question, what does it take to walk away from a high-paying, high-level job in corporate America? How would you handle that decision, dear listener? Well, let's hear the conclusion of Sharisha's story as we go to part three of our interview with Dr. Sharisha Kuchimachi. I want to put it all together as we sort of wind down here, because I want you to tell the story of deciding to walk away from your job at TI. I remember you telling me that at a podcast meetup, and uh, I'd like to have you share it with our listeners. And I'm just wondering, as we get into this, did it have anything to do with learning to set more boundaries that you had talked about, as well as the pressures of someone at that level, and then you're two months out. Did that somehow bring clarity? When I think about it, there were a couple of things. I was working a full-time job. I was podcasting at night, and I had teenage kids at home. And at some point, I realized I was dropping stuff at home, largely. And when I looked at it, I realized time was my biggest constraint. You know, we talked about finance, right? And we talked about time. I'm not going to say I'm financially like all there, but I feel like I've created an ecosystem where I can make a calculated risk decision. That is kind of what I did when people say, oh, you made this. Yes, it was a very calculated risk. I've looked at my things. I still do not know what I'm kind of working towards. I, I kind of have ideas. They're constantly evolving and changing because some work, some don't. But I kind of know what that horizon looks like. I mean, my kid started college this year, and then I have another one heading off. So it's not the best time to make a decision like this either. But it's a calculated risk. So... Having done that, since time was the biggest constraint, I had to decide where I wanted to go. 
my organization was incredibly supportive. I was able to ask for a leave of absence and take time off because I wanted to spend it, you know, as my son was getting ready to head to college, but it also gave me time to think about what I wanted to do. So as I was working through that process and kind of working through the projects I was trying to do, it gave me kind of a way to weigh the balance and see what it is, how, how to come to this decision. So eventually I decided, okay, I, I, there are all these things I want to work on. There's never going to be a great time. And the time for me is now. And if I choose to go back to the corporate world, I'm expecting to enter the corporate world in some manner, you know, maybe not the way I entered before, but doing something because you still have all the skills may not be in the organizations, may not be the thing. It doesn't go away from you. Right. But in the meantime, you're learning a lot of other skills, things I never did. I mean, I learned a ton of stuff from podcasting that I would have never learned before. Like when I'm talking to people, I can combine my tech with the sort of media exposure and how we show up, you know, externally, because it's become so important to do that. So there are all these pieces and taking that two month break also helped me realize that, I mean, it has nothing to do with me and the team, right? The team, each person in the group does their role well. And it gave me also the thing saying, okay, I was able to unplug and do this so I can do other things as well and figure out what that needs to be done. And just figuring out that piece is a journey. I I still don't know everything I'm going to do, but it was like, okay, I, I really need to take this break now. In some ways, it's like my third corporate career break. This is not the first one. Layoff, being a stay-at-home mom, here's the third one. It's not like I'm actually retired, retired, but you could kind of call it that. But it is other things I choose to do, just not in a corporate structure. So how do you get interested in podcasting? Where does that fit in the timeline of your management career? Like, At what point did that become an interest and you kind of started doing it? Podcasting came actually maybe halfway through my last role, kind of around the COVID time, though it didn't actually have much to do with COVID. I was already looking before that for ways to volunteer. Like I do mentorship largely around women, you know, young college students and things. And I'd been doing it on and off for many years, virtually on site. In my mind, I had certain places I wanted to volunteer, like a certain kind of role. And I found one place only that kind of fit it, but it was very far and kind of hard to manage. So I didn't sign up for it. I didn't want to sign up for something that I couldn't commit to. And also with where the stage, you know, my kids were at that point. Then a little time went by. And after having done all the home projects that you could do at home, you know, I I kind of went back to thinking about it at at COVID and saying, what can I do? So in some ways, it was like a bigger way to mentor. And it came from two ways. Like one was the volunteering mentoring aspect. And one was as I was going in the leadership not only in my organization, you know, I have a lot of friends, peers, uh, people outside, people, you know, friends and stuff that are across the globe as well. And I started to think about it. I felt like there were like maybe two, three different personality types when in, in an organization, if I was to bucket it. There are the people who are going to ask and push for what they want. There are the people who are incredibly good at what they do and are happy where they are. But there's always this like middle place where like you ask that question, right? I should want to be a manager. I don't know whether I want to be a manager. They're kind of like, not sure. And I was in that place for a long time. You're kind of ambitious, but you don't always have the clarity or you don't know, or maybe your circumstances don't let. And you're thinking, okay, maybe I have family obligations now, but maybe in two years you want to do it. But we have to understand that just when you flip a switch, things don't happen at that switch, right? They have to be set up to turn on. So I realized that there is a question that most women might be, you know, in my conversations that they're not, don't know whom to ask the question. Sometimes they don't know what questions they have what to do. So I was like, okay, let me start this podcast and talk about the questions that we are, that I think we want to ask 
that we think we should be asking the things that i had so the first few seasons of my podcast is all about returning to work after a break it actually the first one starts with getting laid off so my guest host and i talk about stepping away i got laid off she took a break from work then we talk about mentorship because that we thought was a big important so when we looked around at that point in the podcast ecosystem there's a lot of great podcasts but we also didn't see a lot of people who looked like us talking about it it's not that i don't actually really tend to focus on my culture or where i come from a lot in the podcast but it has made me who i am right you you have your own things that have gone really incredibly well that you leverage and things that are also kind of challenging when you're trying to fit into a different culture so all of these pieces kind of made me want to start the podcast and that was kind of like the launching pad of i want to have these conversations because i feel like we are not talking about these topics or i couldn't find specifically on those kind of topics about what would be interesting and sometimes i get them from reading books there might be something i see that i find incredibly interesting and more and more when i did it i started with career as the focus and i did like a whole season about finance because oftentimes for women and a lot of organizations you know women organizations that support them they're usually addressing career not so much finance usually only career there might be certain organizations that talk about finance but i feel like we don't combine them holistically because as much as we all love our jobs we go to work to get a paycheck and to be financially vested and have independence and have the opportunity to make choices if i do not know how to manage my money i'm always going to have a challenge i'm going to work forever like this is a simple story i have a really good friend who we've been talking about money and retirement for years so not too long ago you know when one of these lunches we met up we were talking about retirement and for all of us who work in a corporate job or even if you don't fidelity vanguard or maybe you're overseas in some other country almost every investment account will have a simple calculator if you know how much you spend you need 25x for retirement if nothing else that's usually sort of the blanket formula they give but there are these calculators that you can plug in numbers and it'll tell you you need this much for retirement based on whatever x factors so when we were talking about retirement numbers she gave me i need x dollars some x million dollars or something then she told me that i'm like i don't think you need that much i think you need maybe like a third maybe a fourth of that number from what you're telling me but i don't know her numbers right i mean we are sure, all sure. we vary about sharing our numbers but then as we got talking she said okay i have this much kind of in this account that much account so i told her okay you go home today in the next hour before you start your job again because you're meeting at lunch and i said run the calculator and text me how much it says you need and she texts me an hour later and says it says i only need 25% of what i thought i needed how amazing is that yeah that it only said you needed a quarter of what you thought your number was i mean she's not changed her job profile but i feel like it gives you it sheds a lot of load and baggage off your head now like now you choose to work and you can make the choice maybe you still have you know aspirations for your children going somewhere or you doing something but it takes a lot of the burden off yeah there's a there's a partial weight that's lifted you know you almost feel like and i don't know this right because i'm not i don't know how close i am to retirement hadn't thought enough about that one but it's it's almost like a a a future burden that you just know is going to hit you and you need to make sure that you're ready for it so it lifts some of the weight off your shoulders absolutely and nick you should be looking at your retirement nick i have to tell you <laughs> oh i i am looking at it i just haven't looked at the when i you know yeah maybe start from backwards saying this is the number and you know what i've realized is When I look back even a decade ago when I was kind of running my financial plans that the numbers always been consistent I never realized it the date I had kept putting or the age I had kept putting has always been consistent in my mind I'm not near that yet but 
I'm not that far from it yet. I just sort of pull the trigger ahead. And when people are thinking about retirement and planning, yeah, you have to start somewhere. And it's interesting, right? I have mentors, peers, colleagues, like some of them are like incredibly senior execs. Everybody is worried about it. No matter how much money you make, everybody worries about it. Sort of what they call this bag lady syndrome or eating cat food. Everyone thinks about it. And you're like, and you're in your mind, you're looking at them and thinking, how can you worry about it? You know, you're at a wholly different level, but it is just human nature. We all tend to think about it. Well, another thing that's human nature is loss aversion. It's really hard to lay something down that you've been doing that you might have enjoyed. So can you shed some more light on what it really took to walk away from that job? Yeah, because like all corporate jobs, you know, it was a steady paycheck. It paid well. I got to work with some wonderful people. But for me, it was the right time. When I meet friends and colleagues, I do not actually, in all honesty, miss my job. I like what I'm doing now. I know it's in a lot of ideation phases. There are some things that I'm executing on. But I guess I was just ready for it. You know, I'd been thinking about it in my mind, probably that summer, you know, me and a friend were kind of bouncing some ideas. And it was a very hard decision because, you know, as we were talking, she, you know, couldn't afford to move out of her corporate job. And I was kind of contemplating it. You know, there's there's a lot of moving parts, right, that, that a job provides. So it's, it's kind of a risk decision to do it. But then when I looked back, I realized that if I was going to take the next step in my career, assuming maybe if, if it worked out an upward mobility path, it would require a lot more work, a lot more learning something new because for me, the point of doing the job was to learn something new, which would mean I would spend a lot of time on that job because there's no way I'm going to do it half. I'm going to do it well because I've already built in my mind and all of us do, right? We build a brand and we want that brand to be good. We want to leave on a high note. For me, that that is also a very important thing. I want to leave on a high note on my terms as much as possible. I wanted to have the option to leave based on that. And I knew that if I took another job, because in some ways I was also walking away from my prior role as I was transitioning out, if I was going to commit to that role, it was going to take a lot of time, which meant maybe my podcasting, maybe maybe I'll still manage, but any other ideas that I was already having brewing were going to take a second stage and I had to decide where I was going to spend that time. And I couldn't, if I couldn't do justice to the job, then it wasn't fair to that job, to the people in it, and not to me either. During that, um, you know, we were going back to work after I'd come back from vacation, those two months off. And I realized that as my brain is spinning with ideas, when I'm in the office, I cannot do anything else. I have to do office work. Sometimes that is when I'm at my most peak optimum output. And if I'm not able to do what I, what else I can do beyond the job, then I'm kind of giving it the residual part of it. I wanted to spend time working on things that were important to me and there is no good time. There's no perfect time. But it felt like if I put it off a year or two, say I immerse myself in this new job, you never know how a job is going to go. I may not have the ideas, the energy, the enthusiasm to carry on this idea later. Or the idea may not even be relevant at that point. Sure. And the other thing also, a lot of factor was I wanted to be there with my kids in a sense. And my kids are older teenagers. They're boys. They go to school. They have their own mm -hmm. things. So let's let's clarify that point. But I dropped them to school. I kind of like that. I've, I've seen the little infinitesimal differences that I've got 
the luxury of, and I want to clarify to people, obviously yeah, it's a choice I made, but I've also in some ways had the opportunity to make that choice. And I would not have got that chance. In some ways, I did this at the beginning when my kids were young and I'm doing it again at the end when my kids are kind of in that phase when they're getting ready to leave home. And when I looked at it, I was like, you know, if I don't do this now, okay, for my professional, whatever I want to do, like I said, one left, you know, six months later, nine months later to college, another will leave pretty soon. I will never get that time back with them in whatever way that ecosystem turns out. So there is that. I do not know if I actually answered your question in specific, but it, it, it is a hard decision. There is never a right reason. And I know you called it as a, a loss. Loss aversion? Loss aversion. I think of it as sunk cost because as part of this journey, I have tried things. I've spent money and done something. And I realized after three months of doing it that whatever thing I was working on, first of all, it did not have the potential I thought it did because obviously I, I thought I did you know customer research, but obviously not very well. So it's taught me that. I'd also spent some quite a bit of money on it. And I had to come to the decision. I was talking to this friend of mine who has, you know, runs has run businesses and and she was also helped to clarify. I said, okay, to me, this is sunk cost. I think that is the hardest thing we all deal with. Loss aversion, sunk cost, right? And I had to say, I am just going to not completely kill this thing, but I'm going to let it kind of sit there in limbo or fade it out and go do this other thing that I want to do. I may come back to it. But if I'm going to spin my wheels around this because I've spent this time, all oh, this money, the six months ideating, talking to these people, if it's not going to give me that thing, you just need to let it go and move on. And I think that's what we all struggle with, you know, with education, with these jobs, with whatever it is. Because we have put so much into it, we need to keep thinking, we need to keep throwing more at the pile. It just doesn't get any better. Sometimes you just have to cut your losses. But I'm making it sound simple. There's nothing simple about it. There are things that I have not made decisions on like that. That I continue to think cost earner. But when people ask, this is what I say. I tend to write down when I quit my job to be a stay-at-home mom, when I've made certain decisions, even this one, right? Oftentimes, I tend to write down pros and cons. I write down in notebooks. Don't tell me I can't find the book again usually, but or now on a computer or something. But the reason I write it is because there's so many thoughts in your head. You're hearing so many opinions. You cannot think it through. So I tend to write it and then I think about it and look at it and make a decision. And I say, that is the best decision I could have made then. On hindsight, it doesn't matter if it was good or not, but that was the decision. Even when I was deciding to quit work, right? I, from my eve of absence, I could have gone back to work or I could have quit work. I talked to some friends that I knew well and I had differing opinions. And one of them said, go back, try a role for a few months, which, which was a valid reason. And, you know, I would have had to find a new role and stuff. But in some ways, I'm like, how much do I want to give to my job? How much is it fair to them? Say say I do it for a few months. And I can tell you as a hiring manager, if someone comes and takes a role and they're going to quit three months later, I'm going to be really angry with them when they were in doubt. So I'm like, I don't want to do that to the organization. That's completely unfair for me to kind of say, I'll do this trial basis sure. role because they're going to have to create a space for you. And I'm like, okay, that's not fair to them. Nor do I want to commit this time. So making those decisions and don't look back because it was what it was then. And then you'll move on further to do something else. And the moment of realization that you were oversubscribed in all the areas got you to thinking something needed to change. Actually, now that you use that word, part of the reason I quit to be a stay-at-home mom was I was oversubscribed. My son was two. I was expecting my second one. I was taking two graduate classes and working full-time. So I was definitely oversubscribed. I was anyway thinking of staying home to be a stay-at-home mom. So I was like, okay, good time to quit. That's a lot. 
yeah, that's a lot. So then my son was born while I was expecting him and I still had, without the job, I was doing my PhD. But yeah, there is a point where, and oftentimes this is women, right? I mean, even though I might say it's women, research shows during COVID, you know, how much of housework and other things and stuff. It is hard. We all need to take time for ourselves, hang out with friends, meditate. If you don't want to hang out with people, you need to do things that are important to you. Like when actually my son was born, I remember my mother when she was helping me take care of him and I would stay up at like 11 or 12 or something reading a book. She would ask me why I wasn't getting sleep because, you know, when you have a young baby, you need sleep. You're never getting sleep, nor are they getting sleep. And my thing was like, that is the only time I get for myself. And for me, I loved reading. So I just needed that space, the decompression at that point. So whatever thing works for you, you will need to make time. Sometimes you will have to lose time to make time for it. But as much as possible, if you don't have to lose time and you can still create the space, even better. But don't forget to take care of what you think is important to you. 100%. I couldn't agree more. This has been a fantastic conversation, Sharisha. Where can people follow up with you if they have questions or want to learn more about what you have going on these days? Absolutely. So there's two ways. So sirishakuchimanchi.com and I can spell it. It's S-I-R-I-S-H-A-K-U-C-H-I-M-A-N-C-H-I. And what you'll find on my website is, you know, I'm a former tech executive and entrepreneur. I podcast host. I actually even do a radio talk show locally right now. And I do keynote speaking at organizations, essentially talking about leadership or getting more women into the pipeline or partner with the universities in getting graduate school students ready for the corporate world and financial journey ahead. And the other better place also is LinkedIn. I tend to be more active on that. So search for Sarisha Kuchimanchi. I don't think there's anyone else by that name. And they should be able to find me and connect with me. can send me a DM if they have more questions. Absolutely. And can engage in any other way they want to. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Nick. This was a lot of fun. Agreed. I learned a ton. Me too. I wish I had 10 to 15 more minutes, John, to ask her questions about the resignation process and the way people above her reacted to, hey, I'm just going to walk away and pursue this other thing. I wish we had had time to talk about that, but we just didn't. Oh, man. Yeah, those are great questions. But that feels like, you know, we should be able to come back and, and have another discussion about that, even maybe diving a little bit deeper into the kind of surroundings and context of that. And recommendations and lessons she learned from it. Yeah. Did you notice the similarities in that pros and cons list about choosing what to do, walking away, or maybe pursuing a different role after she came back from the break? And I felt like the pros and cons list was just an iteration of the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis that we talked about in episode 246. Yeah, very, very similar process. And um, I think the main focus here is on that introspection and the ability and consciousness to to actually 
make conscious decisions with all the context and trying to do the analysis instead of just, you know, reacting on, on pure instinct without any kind of um, analysis at all. And some people might refer to what she's doing as taking a sabbatical. I don't actually think that's probably the right term to use here because she's not just taking a break from working. She is working, but she's working on things that interest her more than what she was doing in her corporate role. And in that light, she even spoke about over a three-month period, she was willing to start things, try them out, and then abandon them or let them fade away and focus on something else if it didn't work. And she was okay with that. It sounds a lot like the spirit of an entrepreneur that Al Elliott spoke to us about in episode 235 and 236, especially that creative iteration piece that he spoke to. Yes, yes, very true. I might push back a little bit on the sabbatical thing. I, th- I think, I mean, traditionally, the whole idea of a sabbatical is to take time away from work, but to work on something else, not just, you know, take like a year of vacation, for example, but maybe go study something you know, take time, write a book, you know, do something creative, and then be able to kind of step back in. I I think probably where I'm agreeing with you is that it's usually involves like some continuity at the existing employer, you know. So uh, I think we're on the same page. I think we're saying the same thing. I just figured you were being sassy, John. (laughs) I'm being pedantic. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I mean, you make some you make some good points though. And she was only able to make that choice because she had done the financial planning to put herself in a good state to be able to walk away, to be able to put other things at the forefront of her mind like time with family, for example, that she could never get back. We don't all have the luxury to just quit our job tomorrow and walk away. Yeah, absolutely. She really set herself up for success that way and you know, probably sacrifice some uh, spending and, you know, blowing money on things, you know, the really gave herself the flexibility to do something creative and and really satisfy, you know, this part of um, what was motivating her to move forward and grow, which is, you know, really cool. And that decision wasn't made in a vacuum either. In addition to the pros and cons list, she sought out trusted friends and advisors to give her guidance on, Here's what I th- I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Give me some feedback. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a, she woke up one day, let's burn it all down and I'll start again somewhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It wasn't that. Very analytical, um, very measured. Tons of respect for, for doing something like that. Doing the work, really, mm-hmm. into making a, a huge decision like that. I can certainly resonate with what Sarisha was saying about getting really good ideas about things during your peak mental time of day and not being able to act on them, for example. Like, if I get a really good idea for a show, a podcast episode during the day, I I can't really just, like, abandon the urgent task on my desk at work and go work on that. Yeah, that's absolutely understandable to kind of recognize that that kind of thing is happening more and more. And then if you recognize that and then realize, oh, okay, those are the things that I actually want to spend my time on. And that's where I'm going to get the most job satisfaction is to work on those ideas and not work on my, my day job ideas. And in fact, the day job is really going to keep me from, from pursuing this thing that I 
think might be, you know, way more important to me, then then that's a really good indicator that, you know, that's a decision that you need to consider uh, pretty deeply. It, it actually, you know, I say the word deep, and it immediately, now that I think about it, kind of makes me realize that it's very reminiscent of the Cal Newport stuff that we were talking about, deep work. We have a, a finite amount of concentration during the day that we can spend doing important intellectual tasks. And if you're spending it all on your day job and do not have time, you, you just cannot hold it back, any of that uh, concentration and brain power back for you know something that you find creative that you might want to be able to work on in off hours. And and that's very positive. Some of us have extremely demanding jobs. You know, then that's an indicator, right? Like you, if you actually want to spend time getting better at this thing, pursuing this thing, then you need to cut back in the day job. And if you absolutely cannot do that, then you have some things to consider. Yeah, it's Cal Newport all over again. Yeah, that's that's right on. And And maybe to that point, if you're noticing that other things than what you're doing at work are way more interesting to you and you'd rather be spending your time there, maybe you need to think about relatable experience and do you have experience in this new area of interest that you could leverage to get a different position or in addition to the experience you already have, how can those intersect or go together into some maybe new job that would allow you to get a little bit of both worlds? Yeah, no, that's a really good point because the decision is not a binary decision, right? Mm-hmm. Stay doing what I'm doing or quit. Right. Right. There's there's other compromises that can be made there to, you know, work on stuff that is maybe a little bit more related or, you know, helps one develop skills for, you know, eventually quitting and, and working on this thing or taking maybe a, a step back from a lead role to work on a supporting role that, you know, maybe isn't as demanding. You know, there's shades of gray there, but, you know, sometimes, you know, the ideas are too powerful, the motivation is too great, and and you've created the the means by which you can, you know, make a, a decision. And and even then, um, for Sarisha, it wasn't it wasn't a drastic decision. It was very measured. Mm-hmm. You know, there's quite a bit of time that was spent on that. So it was a, a transition, even not the type of transition that we're talking about with, you know, transitioning your job to, to, to try to find things that, that cover both fields, but just transitioning your attention, basically. I think there are really four categories to, to end this and put a bow on it. The first one is, can I fit the things that are more interested interesting to me into my day job in some form? Maybe it's not exactly the same, but a form or hint of that so i scratch the itch if i can't Mm -hmm. do that can i save some of that deep work time to work on the thing that i'm interested in outside of work so that i still check the box so to speak making progress can i use relatable experience to get a different job using the experience i have today and some of this extra stuff that i'm interested in which maybe i have some experience in maybe i don't or option four do I really have to decide if I have the means and financial support to just completely turn toward the thing that's the most interesting? Right. And even then, you know, maybe the f- finance decision comes into it a little bit more 
when it's a little bit more entrepreneurial, right? Where you'd have to be completely self-supporting or make this this new venture self-supporting, which isn't necessarily true, right? Because maybe there's a there's intermediates or completely different jobs that one could one could go for, you know, outside of the organization that one works at to try to pursue this. But yeah, it's 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 really cool to see, you know, kind of the analysis. But hey Nick, uh isn't it time to maybe get out of here? Yep. Let's go. Peace out. Just a reminder, we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman, for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios.